0: Minda Wilson for Urgent Care. I'm excited to welcome Chuck Martin, a futurist and all-around interesting guy, expert on technology and the Internet of Things. Chuck, welcome to our show.
1: Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: I so healthcare in the future is, is not going to look like my my the healthcare I grew up with. How how do you see things changing?
1: Well, what's happening is the, the generations growing up, the millennials, for example, they're, they're looking at technology to treat their children differently than generations ahead of them. And they're really looking at things like uh, 3D printed hearts and artificial intelligence and chatbots and that sort of thing to actually help diagnose and treat their children in the future.
0: So do you see them sort of not actually going to a doctor's office but looking for treatment at home?
1: Well, they're going to be doing both. They're going to be looking for, for physicians who are actually using some sophisticated technology. Uh, there was a recent study from IEEE, which is a, a very, very large technical professional organization, and they, they interviewed parents, millennial parents who had children nine years old or younger, and what they found was that the majority of parents would be fine with having a 3D-printed heart implanted in their children. And Most people don't even know what a 3D-printed thing is. Uh, it, it's basically, essentially manufactured on the fly. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge stat. Like 52% of the U.S., 92% in India would be fine with a, a 3D printed heart. Uh, you've got millennial parents would prefer their their PDF, pediatrician to use virtual reality pain medication instead of pain therapy instead of physical medication or pills to alleviate the children's pain, it's almost everybody in China, like 97% of the people in China, 82% of them in the UK, and 79% in the US would rather their, their doctors use virtual reality to help their children manage, essentially manage pain. So they're going to be looking at, to doctors to use this new technology, and it, it's really, a, it, it's sort of a stunning transformation that's coming.
0: So you see people using technological tools, but... Doesn't that require a certain expense? I mean, to have a virtual reality set up in your home and uh, be able to do that, and as a replacement for medication, it seems. When people are trying to control costs, it seems like, uh, you know, that's that's a more expensive alternative, or is it?
1: Well, it it, it depends. It's going to be what's going to happen is the entire industry, the insurance industry, medical insurance is gonna to have to transform so that the uh, virtual virtual reality setup may actually be less expensive than a, a series of ongoing medications. Uh, because medication can be, uh, prescription medication can be very, very expensive depending on the disease. Uh, but we've got things like artificial intelligence helping with all of these things, like like uh, ro- robotic surgery, for example. Uh, if you've got robotic surgery, and, and parents are are, are going to be fine with that. By the way, uh, in terms of using using uh, AI powered robots to conduct surgery on their children, ninety four percent of of parents in China are are okay with that. Uh, I mean, that's that's, almost everybody. And uh, it's a a relatively small percentage. Like only a quarter of lonely parents in the U.S. and the U.K. say they would not likely use robotic surgery. So when you start to add robotics, what's happening is the the physicians are going to be using robotics. It won't be that the robot replaces a physician. But all of a sudden, the economics of these things become much more better because the accuracy becomes much more better in terms of the – the, the percentage of success, because a, a robot can do things that are exact without, without error as long as they're programmed correctly.
0: So it's interesting to me because to me medicine is part art and part science. So when you, when you, when you move towards total science, you know, the science is only as good as the people who programmed it.
1: That's exactly right. But what's, what's happening... What,
0: happened, art, what happens to the art part?
1: Uh, well, what, what's going to happen is uh, uh, people can only go so fast. They can only look at so many things and analyze uh, in terms of scientifically. When you start to add things like machine learning and artificial intelligence, this technology, uh, because it's lightning fast, it can it can look at millions of things and see uh, uh, anomalies uh, where they'll see uh, this is what's probably going to happen based on a million other things that, like this to happen. Where a human can't look at a million things realistically in a split second, where where technology can do that. So what's going to happen is we're going to have people, uh, millennial parents, physicians, insurance companies, leaning much more on these technological tools to help in their decision making process whether that's medical or or care for their children or uh, who's going to take care of them in the future that sort of thing uh, it, it's not going to happen overnight it, i mean everyone thinks that there's, that there's like a robotic revolution is going to happen tomorrow it that's really not how it happens it, it really takes a lot of time there's a there's a great distance between when something is actually created or invented and the time it takes before it's mass adopted. I'm actually researching a book on that right now, uh, and it turns out the gap is really large between a, 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 an incredible creation of something and the actual mass deployment of it. There's a there's a big difference in distance, and we're, we're talking here millennial parents with children nine years old, so. They're going to change as they become no longer millennials and they may evolve into a different thought process in the generation after them. The nine people who are nine year olds now, they're going to have a, a whole different set of toolkits when they grow up as well. Just like the generation today has grown up with a mobile phone from, from birth. So that they don't know, they don't know not the internet, for example. They don't know not a mobile phone. They, they just aren't aware of that because they, they've had it their entire lives. So it's it's really generational that's going to be transforming all of this.
0: So one of the big problems today is at people's access to a complete medical health record of their entire information. Because your, hosp- your doctor record isn't integrated with your hospital stay record, isn't integrated with, you know, your specialist record. So how do you see, and, and in order for all this to work, to have access to your complete medical history, how how do you see that coming together?
1: Yeah, great question, because the, the, this gets right back to the, the technological spaghetti that we're going through right now. And you're exactly right. There's a, a database over here, a database over there, and a database over there. And, and if you look at an individual and a family. where you've got an individual trying to keep track of their own stuff, and I mean, heaven forbid, someone moves and they go to a different healthcare system in a different state. Uh, I mean, trying to keep that in line is really challenging. And then you've got HIPAA laws uh, in the U.S. where you've got uh, privacy things where certain things can't be disclosed to other things. So there's there's this overabundance of privacy and security built into all these systems. So ultimately, the systems. That they can't, they're they not allowed to talk to each other, even though they maybe technically could. So what's going to happen, what I see over time, is security and privacy being separated to be different elements, where security is going to be the responsibility of the, the provider of the technology or the service, and privacy is going to start to be under control of the individual. This is going to take some time, but the individual is then gonna say, okay, I now have all my information, this is what I will allow other people, this is what I'll allow this group to have, this is what I'll allow this group to have, and I can turn it on and off at any time. And that, that's coming. That's been a long time coming. Uh, it's still, still going to take a long time to develop. But what's going to happen is ultimately the consumer will own their own information because it's their information that's of value to the entire market. That's what's valuable to the the healthcare provider. It's what's valuable to uh, any marketer. Um, it, it is the. It's kind of the gold in this whole digital transformation that's going on right now. So they will start to learn how to control that and this will happen generationally so you've got the the generation that's coming up now that's understanding what what is private what is not and what they put on Instagram and what they don't and they're going to start to over time realize oh I actually have information that people want so I'm going to I'm going to actually put a value in a essentially a price tag on that information it may not be money it may be that I will give you this information if you will give me this and and give me this kind of information, and I will allow you to treat, uh, transfer my information to someone else. So that's where you're going to end up with healthcare records being under ownership of the individual as, a own, as a, opposed to ownership of the, the healthcare provider system, which is where it all resides right now.
0: But didn't Google just get access to a large healthcare system's records of all the people? And aren't they? essentially able to use it for their own purposes and not necessarily to directly benefits the patients?
1: Well right now if you look at the information that's not being used uh, for example if someone has a, a particular disease or, or a medical condition and they want to contact other people who have the same condition there's no way they could do that uh, unless they, they, they find a group chat by luck But there's but there's no a systematic way to do that. In the future, there will be a way to do that because that group has, has information that is extremely valuable to other members in that particular situation, where, where nobody else cares about it, but the people who have that particular medical situation, they care about it critically. And they, when someone gets a disease, they become the best researcher of that disease on the planet more than, because it's theirs, they, they own it mm-hmm. and they, they tend to basically find out everything you can about it. If someone has a, a sick child and they find out the child has X disease, they will become an expert in X disease. And they can do it very quickly because of the Internet and access information, of course. But they can't necessarily find other people in the exact same situation. And that's where the gold resides. That's where the value is. And that has to be unlocked in the future, which means a transformation in how information is actually treated uh, in in terms of individual information that's that's personal, that's medical and, and all that.
0: So, but I'm hearing that everybody's medical records has value. And I understand it has value to the patient, but what do they mean by it has economic value to third parties? What does that mean?
1: Well, someone someone may want to uh, say say it's a, a pharmaceutical company. It's kind of the obvious one where they they want to do some some trials of a, a, cer- a certain new medication, and they need certain people who have a certain situation, certain condition, mm-hmm. and they can't find them right now without going through the the entire mechanism of of hospitals, healthcare providers, and, and all that they don't have direct access to the to the consumer or to the to the individual it just because of laws because of privacy laws where individuals in the future they may say I want I want my information to be public to anyone who is working on this kind of thing well that that's going to be a really complex thing to execute because you want to make sure it doesn't get into the wrong hands um, but but someone who has a Oh, just allergies, for example. Well, someone who who provides medicine for allergies uh, or solutions for allergies, they, they want to reach those people because they want to say, hey, try this. This may work for you. And in many cases, it actually will work for them, but they don't know about it.
0: So will the, there be a feedback loop so that you provide your information to the pharmaceutical company, and then are they obligated to come back to you and say this is what we found based on your information?
1: Well, it, it's going to be more of of consumers are going to start to be right right now. If you look at the way the kind of the, the way the world works, is uh, companies look at their best customers, their loyal customers. In the future, it's going to be consumers actually looking for who are the loyal companies to them, who they they trust. In um, non-medical examples would be someone someone really likes Nike or they really like uh, New New Balance or or whatever whatever Coke Cola or Pepsi they that's that's their brand and they they love it they like it that they always use it they trust it whatever uh, when you get into the medical it, it's going to be like that as well where a consumer is going to be saying okay I, I trust this company so I'm going to open up a lot of my records to them because they typically provide me with really good value and service. This other company I'm not familiar with so they can't have any of my information at all. And then if company A does anything that's disloyal to me as the consumer I shut them off instantly, all of a sudden they lose all access to all information on me and I go look at company B or company C. So as a consumer they're going to start to look at who provides, who do I trust, um, who who are my loyal companies to me which is a big transformation that companies are going to have to go through in terms of how they how they treat their their clients or customers.
0: So it sounds like in some ways we're cutting out the middleman. We're taking the B2B model for healthcare which is pharmaceutical companies to doctors and hospitals educating them about uh, what medicines are available? And we're and coming up with more of a B to C model where uh, business to consumer model where uh, the direct communication will be between patients who have known conditions and the pharmaceutical companies that will be competing for their business. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And you're seeing some of it start right now. If you if you look at, at national uh, TV broadcast advertising, it'll be uh, here's the solution. Da da da. Ask ask your doctor about whatever. So they're causing they're causing this push pull in the market. So they're causing consumers to drive. Consumers, they give inf- consumers enough information to go ask their doctor about it. They go then ask, go to the physician, say, tell me about this, w- whatever. And as a result, the physician then has to go to the pharmaceutical companies, say, educate me about this. If they don't, of course, they don't know about it, but generally they would know about it if they're seeing it on TV. Uh, because these these, are, these things are done jointly where the pharmaceutical company is educating the medical community, and they're running national ads to get the consumer to go ping the doctor as opposed to the doctor pinging the patient.
0: I see that's interesting. So then people are actually going to become more and more responsible for their own treatment and their own care as as time progresses.
1: Yeah, and the reason for that is because of, of all the new information that's been available that's become available over the last say five or ten years where you, you can Google or Bing pretty much anything and find it. And what what we have is it's not just the information being provided by the official source of the information. It's actually what what Google is and what, what Bing is. What these these big search engines are. They're really uh, it's an it's an aggregation of human knowledge. So what what happens is when some if you if example easy example if someone has a computer problem with, with their iPhone or, or Windows or whatever or their their Mac, they simply go online and say. Uh, my, my iPhone won't update apps and you'll find 500 people who have had that same issue and here's how they solved it. And it, 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 and you're not dealing with Apple or Microsoft. You're dealing with actually people who have the same issue and they found their solution and then they share their solution. I and mean, we aren't doing that with medicine yet, but, but it's going to get there. It's kind of the obvious next step where uh, there, there will be closed closed groups because you don't want everybody sharing everything about themselves, obviously, and nor would people. Uh, but there have to be these these basically tunnels or uh, funnels where all this information will will reside based on a specific thing, much like like group chat kind of things.
0: I I, I understand that, but that's sort of it's it sort of presents a danger as well because each individual may have the same disease, but because One person has a test that says has one result, and another person has that same test that has a slightly different result. Uh, The same medicine may not work for them. And the danger is, you know, not having, uh, you know, too much information or not individually curated information. And then the individuals may not be capable of doing the curation for their own care. How how do how do you see that sort of important? Well, generally,
1: out? generally, it's not because because the internet is so big and there's so many billions of people on it that it, it's not necessarily one person finding a solution from one person. It's one person finding a solution from or seeing the solutions of all the people who have that same situation. And then they make their determination based on, oh, here are things that are probably gonna work because it's worked for most people. Here's the outlier that worked for just a couple people. So that's my fallback if this first thing doesn't work. And here are all the options available that are in the marketplace. And then you can take all that information and go to your physician, to your family doctor or whatever, uh, and say, uh this is what uh, my situation is. I I had a situation where, I know of a situation where someone, they looked at at Google of of what all all their symptoms were and uh, identified it themselves. They then went to a doctor and that was not what they said it was. And that person went through six months of treatment for essentially the wrong thing and then, they had a specialist check this person, and they found out it was actually the thing that the person found from Google six months previously that that was the problem, although the, 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 the test didn't show that, but it, in reality, that's what it was based on all the symptoms, and then they, they had a cure that worked literally in two days. So that, that kind of situation where the, the patient actually had better information than the physician, but it wasn't necessarily believable because it didn't align with the test that the medical community has as, as the official test for a certain disease.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think you are, you're the best knowledge source of, of the patient, of what's going on with them. I mean, they, are, they have the most knowledge. They know what they feel like before they're sick and they know what they feel like when they're sick. So they have the biggest, best, biggest and best data set. But um, in terms of their, in terms of the knowledge of everything that's available in the world, anecdotal knowledge provides you with certain opportunities. But it also, but there again, you need to bring the science in there. I wonder, you know, I wonder how that is going to play out over time. You know, because people aren't scientists, and not everyone is. Not everyone is sophisticated or highly educated, you know.
1: Yeah, you're right. The medical profession is still going to be heavily involved in this, but what's going to happen is patients are going to go, go in to a, a, a medical exam with more information than they had before. So mm. they're going to go in and say, I have a stomach ache." They're going to go in with way more detail because they've researched Uh, potential all the other symptoms with potential causes and they're going to provide their 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 physician with much more information about their situation and then the professional with the science says ah it's it's most likely this and and that's what the what the patient won't know it's what they won't know it's most likely this but they'll know all the detail of uh of the sit their situation and they'll know what other people did about it what they what they had as a as whatever the condition was and so they'll have more knowledge to provide to the to the to the scientific community if you will so the scientific community as, as you mentioned like the the, the medical community they're going to get much more help from the outside. They, as you mentioned, everything in the world is available for knowledge right now. Well, well one, one doctor who's treating a large number of patients per day, they don't have time to spend all their day looking for each specific disease that one person is coming in with one after the other. They don't have the, the, the bandwidth to search the world. They're treating patients. But each patient will have the capability to search the world, and then they're going to bring that information and knowledge with them and provide it on a platter for the doctor and say, here's the situation, what do you think? And that's where the the science then comes in as the solution.
0: So do you think in the future people will have their own set of diagnostic tools and their own set of algorithms that sort of curates the information from those diagnostic tools to prevent present that information to a doctor
1: well it's more likely if, if that's going to come up it'll be the doctors who provide the the template for that because there's no standard template for
0: that you right know now. people have a thermometer at home to take your temperature you know people don't have a blood pressure cuff but they're you know they're with technology now you may be able to get that information at home people you know the the basic
1: tests. Yeah, there's going to be much more than, than, than the blood pressure monitors and thermometers. I mean, right now Apple Watches are, are monitoring people's heart rates in, in right. real time. And identifying mm-hmm. heart problems in real time. And we're just at the right. beginning of that. I mean, that's going to be way past down. I mean, people putting chips in their bodies and, and ultimately we're going to be swallowing medication that tracks the medication going through your body. It's going to be basically swallowing a computer to Simplify it, um, but but sensors and trackers and all that stuff that that's going to continue to advance because it makes everything easier on everybody. And then connectivity, where uh, I mean, doctors are using virtual reality, and augmented reality, augmented reality now for for operations because with augmented reality you can wear glasses and see much more information than you could possibly see. While you're doing surgery, because you get a lot of additional information, it's, it's like movies you see on TV. Well, that that stuff's actually real. It it is being used um, in hospitals. It's being used by doctors, and it's going to only advance because the technolo- technological capabilities are advancing with. With more processing power more speed advancements in technology and, and all those kinds of things which are are exponential right now just because because there's so much technology created, the technology now can be used to create more technology much faster
0: wow that's fascinating so i I, I see the I see the opportunity for technology and art to sort of marry themselves and I also see the opportunity for for people to gain better control over their health care as time goes on.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, for example, in this IEEE study, 95% of parents, of belonging to parents in China, said they're likely to use an AI, an artificial intelligence chatbot to, to diagnose their sick child in the future. So what they're going to be doing is they're going to be basically having a conversation with a computer, and the computer is going to determine what their, what their diagnosis is but that computer will have been programmed by the medical profession so yeah. it's really it's just like you're talking to a thousand doctors at the same time and each each of the thousand doctors asks the next question based on the previous question and that technology is going to be is going to be perfected and you're going to have some it'll be like some 98 99 percent success rate in terms of a diagnosis And that diagnosis then will be tied into the medical community and they will see it in real time.
0: So if people want to learn more about what their future looks like in terms of medicine or want to reach out to you and learn more about other interesting things that you're covering in terms of what the future is going to look like, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, They can look at my website, which is updated all the time, which is netfutureinstitute.com. Um, they can email, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Chuck Martin at Twitter, uh, or they can email me, uh, and I do answer my email ultimately. Uh, maybe not all the same day, because I get a lot of it, but it's Chuck at NetFutureInstitute.com. I'd love to hear from anybody on this stuff.
0: Chuck, it's just been a great pleasure talking to you, and I hope you will come back again. Uh, this is Minda Wilson from Urgent Care.